0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be.
1: Good morning. You look like you're ready to be here for the next three hours. Are you ready? Whoa! Whoa. Well, you know, today, um, it's got a tough message, but it's also a message that we can learn. And I always ask the Lord, Lord, what can I learn from your word? How many really want to learn something fresh? You see, there's two types of people, people who really want to be better and people who just expect everybody else to be better to make their life better. It's not what they can do for them, their own responsibility. They want everybody else to do something so that they can do nothing and so they can have a happy life. Today, it's not one of those messages. I want to talk about today how the money has fallen. You know, no matter what you do, no matter how well known you are, not known, what prestige, what level of influence you've had, everybody one day will stop breathing. And the real question we have to ask ourselves is, my life, what did I do with my life? What type of impact have I left? What type of story have I left in other people? It's really not what you've said, it's really what you've done. We've taken a journey on 1 Samuel, and we've covered approximately about 14 years of David's life. And out of those 14 years of David's life with Saul, seven of those years he's on the run from King Saul. I want you to understand there's a process here. And in the beginning, Saul was a godly man. He was chosen by God for a great work. And the matter of fact, if Saul would have done everything Saul would have done, we wouldn't even know about David. It would have been Saul with his dynasty. It would have been Saul across the board but Saul something happened to Saul in the process he raised up a rebellious heart and all of us have this opportunity that we can get kind of hostile towards God for whatever reason Saul lost an incredible blessing not only for him but also for his his family because be He raised up this refusal to walk in God's ways and a a hardened heart where he became rebellious. and, And then in chapter 16 of the book of 1 Samuel, we see God taking and tearing away the kingdom from Saul. And then he says, I am going to find someone after my own heart. And that is David. It's tragic. A tragic moment takes place that here's this king, that was appointed by God who was thrust into kingship automatically starts off really well but doesn't end very well it is not how you start the race it is not all of you done in your past and how you started it's how you finish it it's how you live it in between the dash between your date and your birth the dash is not just one well I was good in this section you know what I love so great is when a person lives life totally against God, not for God, then Jesus comes into their life, and all of a sudden, there's a new transformation. But behold of a person who thoughts God, and then all of a sudden turns back and then forgets God. Man, that's not going to be good when he finally meets God. Nevertheless... Saul's hatred and jealousy and murderous intentions for this young David is overwhelming. And the last years of Saul's life is consumed with such hatred and jealousy and unforgiveness and a bitter, bitter, close heart. But... After time after time, Saul trying to kill David. The provision and protection and the providence of God is protecting him. Guess what? That same God is on your side. Put a smile on your face to say, you're not alone. I mean, that gets me excited to know that the same God that was protecting David is the same God that promised to be with you and I. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 31 has this beautiful portion of scripture. If God be for us, who, who can be against us? That's not just theory. That's reality. God is with you. In the midst of hardship and challenges, David grew stronger. He learned lessons. God taught him. Remember, he's in God's school, kingship school. God's get him ready to take the throne. See, Saul, he just threw right in. He couldn't handle it all. Well, this time, God spent time letting David understand one thing. Here it he goes. Ready? David understood his dependence is on God. No matter what happens, total dependence on God. When we learn total dependence on God, that's when God does a work in us. It's not like, well, I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to do. No, no, it's not just that. It's when we are dependent upon God letting God be God in our heart and life. That's really key. Today is a tragic story of the death of King Saul, and yet I'm also going to put in the other aspect of what the special character of David in the midst of the death of King Saul, Saul's three sons, including Jonathan, an armor bearer, and many soldiers all that died that day now the battle that took place remember if we have gone back to the next time together where all of David's men are now with the Philistines and they're going to fight for the Philistines they leave their home of Ziklag and then they get denied by the commanders they're sent home but when they sent home their Ziklag burned this is the same battle that David was to supposedly fight in. Is the same battle that Saul dies in, his three sons, and many others. I want you to um, understand this question that I'm going to ask you: Are you are you giving God your best right now? I want you to think about this because where we're about to go is going to challenge you. Going to challenge me. Are you giving God your best? Do you expect God's best for you? I want you to ask that question. This is good. Do you expect God's best? Do you, when you think about your life and what you want and this, that, and the other thing, do you expect God to give you his best? And then I'm going to turn it around and say, are you giving God your best? Because you only have one life to live. And how you live it is nobody's choice but you. So we're going to jump Chapter 31 of 1 Samuel talks about the death and the process of Saul. Something happens in 2 Samuel, and we're going to pick up next year on part two of this series when we see now King David's challenges as a king. So today we're going to end the first part of 1 Samuel, pick up 2 Samuel sometime next year, and we'll talk about all the lessons we can learn from the King David as he now applies himself in the journey. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we giving God our best? Are we really looking to God in everything? And so now as we jump to 2 Samuel, I want you to see what David does when the guy who has been chasing him for seven years and has brought so much pain, so much hurt, so much harm, so much pressure, how he responds and then we'll get to see a little bit about why God saw such great character in David. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 1. Let's look at that verse 17. When David heard that Saul and his sons were dead, this is what happened. Verse 17. David took up his lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan and ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Joshua. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on the heights, how the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Least the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Least the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Geboah, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offering of grain. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan in life were loved and gracious. And in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothes you in scarlet and finery, who adores your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen. I want you to get this for a second. Before we transition to a first part of this message, David is lamenting over a man who truly caused havoc in his life. We have people in our life that hurt us. We have people in our life that disappoint us. We have people who don't give, who can reject us or not do what we want them to do in the way of love, appreciation, or whatever it may be we want to ever excuse we want to give. David had a right to be angry at King Saul. Seven years of running, all of the crimes and the hurt and the pain that Saul did to try to destroy this man simply because he had a call of God. And yet, when King Saul dies, you see a different side of the man. You see him in a way that God wants us to be and God wants us to learn a lesson from how David responded to the death of Saul. But before we get there, let's look at Saul. Because Saul is an individual that messed up life. God gave him life, but he made choices, and his choices was his results. And Now listen, I I love this saying. Many years ago, I made it. Your choices today are your results tomorrow. Your choices today are your results tomorrow. Way you work on your today to have a better tomorrow. And you're either preparing for a better day or you're repairing because of a bad choice. I don't know about you, but you need to realize how David responded. You have to look at, how Saul responded, and the difference between their lives. David is lamenting over Saul and Jonathan, and he writes a song. The mighty have fallen, the shields of mighty, the flesh of the mighty. The tragedy of Saul's death affected everybody. I want you to get this. Your life affects other people's lives. And when Saul died, it affected everybody. When they lost that battle, it affected all Israel. In the midst of the havoc it brought, God still had a plan. God had the next one up to bat. His name was David. But Saul had a bad, sad death. The armies of Israel put to shame before the enemies, and they were badly defeated. The bodies of the wounded and the dead littered the landscape. King Saul was struck by the arrows of the enemy. Near the king, as he shot with an arrow, arrows, lies the dead bodies of his children. Lies the dead bodies of his military men. And now Saul knows himself. He's been wounded and he knows he's going to die. Saul seeks the help of his armor-bearer, but his armor-bearer is unwilling to help him die quicker. So Saul falls on his own sword. The death of Saul is a disgraceful death because what happens next is what makes it so disgraceful. And there's two reasons why it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful because... After he is now dead, the enemy comes and sees it and cuts off his head. And then after they cut off his head, they proclaim with a head in their hand. What a different culture today, huh? (laughs) They take it from city to city to proclaim how their God has brought victory over the God of the Israel. Little did they know that the God of Israel was bringing the judgment. Can I tell you today, saints... You may look at America as being something this and that. But when we do not have the hand of God on our side, no matter our might, no matter our abilities, no matter what we have, when we don't have God, we are in trouble. We're living in a world we think we're so secure. We think we're this and that. Let me something. We have... Turned away from God. And even the church has turned away in some sense because we haven't got so much focus on so many things that we're not focusing on the one important thing. is the heartbeat of God and the commission that God has given us to share the gospel, to be his ambassadors, his spokesmen, his light, and his salt. If we lose that, we've lost what our purpose is in God. If we wrap it around anything else, Saul wrapped his whole life about being vengeful and bitter and jealous and envy, made his whole life, and in that ruined his life. And now in death, it's disgraceful because now not only the whole country in havoc, not only everybody's on the run, but now they're parading around saying victory, and it doesn't look too good for Israel. Forty years earlier, this handsome, young, humble, brave man became king, and it's only a very short distance away where he became king, 40 years earlier. He dies not very far from the very place he was anointed king. Somewhere along the line, he compromised. Somewhere along, he descended in weakness and wickedness. Somewhere along the line, he listened to other voices, especially the voice of ourselves that usually leads us astray. We don't listen to God's voice. And and it's not just Saul. It's all of us. Someone say amen. When I started thinking about this, and me and God were just rapping quite a bit about stuff, I started personally reflecting on just the life of Saul and the, just the process of how his choices affected so many. You see, God had a far better plan. I want you to get this. God had a far better plan for Saul, but Saul decided to do it Saul's way. You know the song Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. Yeah. And sometimes we want to do it our way. And, but God has a better plan. Someone say a better plan. better plan. God has a better plan. We may not always understand the plan because sometimes God gives us a piece of puzzle. How many people put puzzles together? God bless you. <laughs> After 100, that's it. I can't sit no longer. But that one piece doesn't look like much. But you put it to another piece, and another piece, another piece, another piece. Before you know it, you have a picture. But guess what? You lose one piece and that puzzle is never committed uh, completed. You've committed so much time to it and you can't finish it because someone purposely stole that piece on purpose. (laughs) Just like the enemy of your soul to try to steal the piece to your puzzle, kill, steal and destroy I want you to get this. God had a better plan, a better plan for Saul. But Saul got so focused on himself. Saul got so focused on what he wanted. Saul got so focused on what other people think. He forgot about what God thought and what God was telling him to do. See, that's a tragedy. And because he did that, he paid a terrible result. But all of us know people in our lives and in our family who are not doing it God's way. All of us know people who are stubborn and, and just, just, just won't listen. They're just so set in their ways. All of us know people just like a Saul who has an understanding of who God is but still hasn't yielded to God's ways, to God's plans, to God's purposes. And it makes us think a lot to say, you know, God has a better plan. And sometimes we tell other people, God has a plan for your life. Be confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God has a plan. But Saul didn't pay attention to the plan because he focused so much on his plan. And I want to really encourage you that if you have people in your family or people that you know and that they, they're just far from God, you've got to remind them that God has a better plan. God always has a better plan. But many people are refusing to go to God or follow God. You know they allow problems and hardships and situations and circumstances to come their way, and all of a sudden all they see is the problems. You know, have you ever woke up one day and it looks rain, it's rainy, it's windy, it's cold? Well, some of you are saying, that looks like this morning. <laughs> and it's just a lousy day, a gloomy day. How many remember How many can remember a gloomy day? A dark, dreary, damp day, huh? But behind all of that, the sun still shines. There's still a sun out there. There's still shining. The question is, are you going to look at your day or are you going to look at who holds you tomorrow? You see, and sometimes we look at our problems and our situations and our circumstances and always look at that, and we don't look at the God who, who planted a sun 93 million miles away that you get the light after eight minutes and something seconds. It's crazy. God has a... God always has a better plan. Let me, but, but his plan is only understood if you find his purpose. Someone say purpose. Now you have to know what's your purpose. What's your purpose? Why are you here? What's your purpose? People say, well, you know, I'm, I'm this age now and I just don't know if it's really worth finding my purpose. Oh my word, finding your purpose today is the most important thing you can do that will change the rest of your life. Knowing why you are here. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2.9. The eye has seen, the ear has heard. I'm, excuse me. The, no eye has seen, no eye has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm trying to read it and I read it wrong and I have, I have the whole scripture memorized. I don't even need that. <laughs> it's a man. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has for them who love him. How, can you get this? You can't imagine the good plan God has for you. Thomas says God has a better plan. John 10.10 says a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's what he wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says I've come to give you life and watch that more abundantly. Some would say God has a better plan. I wish we could just grasp this, that God has a better plan, but we don't grasp it because we allow things in our life to take place. The people of Israel run into a problem. They are denying God. They were running from God. They weren't listening to God. They wanted to do it their own way, and God will let you do it your own way. Jeremiah 29 encourages them, and most of us have known this portion of Scripture God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will, I will listen to you. Did you like that part? I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with, with, with all your heart. Someone say, God has a plan. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God has a plan for your life. But the question is, do you want to know his plan? Do you want to know it? It's sort of like this. It's it's like you can invite someone over your house to eat, but you can't force them to eat. Come on, have some, have some. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, God. Nope, 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 nope. See, God wants so much for you, but you have to partake of what God gives you. Someone say amen. It's important for all of us to find this. So what can we learn from Saul's death? Well, we need to remind ourselves it matters not what you do as occupation. It matters not how many zeros you have after your whole numbers in the bank account. It doesn't matter how many people you know. It doesn't matter of all that fluff and stuff. Because one day it reminds us death is coming our way for all of us. Unless the rapture takes place, death is knocking on our door, one day we will all give up that breath. But we have to ask ourselves the question, when we think about the life of Saul and how he lived and where he made his focus and then how he died, God had a better plan for him. You know, the day he died, the day he died, there was poor and rich on that battlefield. There was kings and slaves. There were godly men and sinners. They were Israelites and Philistines. They were weak and powerful, but all entered death together. It don't make a difference. People think, you know, what car you drive, what house you are, toys you have. That mean nothing. I've been with people in the hospital who are dying, who are multimillionaires. I've had one person tell me one time, he was an inventor of something that is now industry standards. And he said to me, I have everything I could possibly want but I have nobody in my life to share it with because all I did was work and I never paid attention to my family. And when I looked around and this, this man about to die, on the process of dying, my heart went out to him because they reminded of the scripture, what is a man who gains the whole world and yet loses his soul, he profits nothing. And so, times so many people are always focused on this and focused on things, and I wish I had, I wish I had. You know, if you have Jesus, you have it all. Amen. If you have God in you, he's going to float your boat, he's he going to do what he needs to do in your life, and you don't have to worry about it because he's a God over all things. Some would say all things. Some would say God has a plan. Has a plan. But if you don't take that time to learn that plan, just like Saul, he didn't take the time to learn the plan. Deuteronomy chapter 30 gives us a great lesson. And it's a lesson. Deuteronomy means second law. It's a rehearsal of the law so the people of Israel can remember what God had said. Moses is getting ready to go back, go, with the, go to the Lord. And he says this to the people. This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Someone say promise. Promise. Someone say God has a plan. God is telling His people, "Listen, if you do it my way, I have a plan. The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the mind of man the things that God has for them that love Him. God has a plan. Saul couldn't see it because he was so focused on his own little, small world thinking. Because of that, he focused more horizontally than he did vertically." It's a tragic scene, but the reality is that we can learn a lot about life. God says, choose life, not just physical life, the unborn. That's life. To me, I don't understand how people can fight so much, so much to kill a baby. And yet, if that baby gets struck by a car, it's double homicide. It's sort of like a choice where if you don't want the baby, it's legal to kill it. But if you want the baby, baby, it's murder. Does that even make sense? Where's the value to this? It makes no sense, some of the things in our in our world. As the scripture says, wrong will be right and right will be wrong. We're living in that world today. The question is not are we going to run, but what are we going to do about it to change the culture or change Help others see the truth of Jesus Christ. How are we going to be lights and salt for such a time as this? Look at the scripture here. When we talk about death, Hebrews nine twenty seven says, "Just as a man is destined to die once, just once, and after that face judgment, as Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and He will appear a second time." Someone say, "Praise the Lord!" <laughs> Not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo-hoo! Next time, baby. See, when Jesus comes back again, man, he's going to make all things right. Job in 14.5, listen to what Job says. Job says, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his month and have set limits that he cannot, can, uh, he cannot exceed. Job again in 30, 23 says, I know you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. See, see, we have an incredible opportunity that while we're living here, we can serve God Almighty. One day, one day, we're going to see him face to face. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But when that moment comes, I just want God to say, you done well, kid. <laughs> I'm going to break out with, I'm uh, just looking at you, kid. <laughs> I want God to I want to be able to do well. It's like standing in the boss's office. Have you ever had it been called into the boss's office? There's only two reasons why you get called into the boss's office, you know. Either you're in trouble Or you've done something good. And so when you go, and I was always in the principal's office, okay? So when I was a kid, when the principal, when I got a call to go to the principal's office, I wasn't thinking he was going to say, hey, you made the dean's list. (laughs) I didn't even know how to spell dean's list. I never was on a dean's list. (laughs) But I will tell you this, I got into that office, and I'm like, okay, what did I do wrong now? And he was so quick to let me know. (laughs) And then sometimes he would give me vacation where I got a chance a few days to do anything I wanted to. (laughs) Thank God for Jesus. how he stepped in and did so many work inside my life. I'm truly a dead man walking so many times. Let me read this one to you. 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, oh my, so in Christ all will be made alive. What a benefit, what a bonus. God is thinking on your behalf. So take the life you've given and Look at the way Saul lived it and ask yourself, do I want to live this way or do I want to live in such a way where I got the blessing of God in my camp? I want the the peace of God. I want the blessing of God. I want to know the purpose of God because I want to just learn his presence so I can share his peace. Man, everybody wants to benefit, but no one wants to process there's always a journey you have to travel to get to your destination. And I woke up one day and, you know, I, you know, a bad day. and You say, I just wish there was some sunshine and palm trees. And so one day I went to bed, I woke up, and I was in Florida. It was wonderful. You know, sometimes if you, you, you want a palm tree or you want some warmness, you've got to travel to a place for that, right? You see, so often, so often we forget what God has done for us. But when we look at this portion of Scripture in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. When we focus on that, we're going to realize Saul, Saul kind of messed it up. He kind of messed up his life. He had, he had the, Saul was a, a person who was blessed, that we would be talking about Saul in a positive way, like we talk about David. David had some faults, but he had a heart for God. See, Saul didn't have that. It was more about him, always about him. Suppose you woke up tomorrow and you read your obituary. Now, I know some of you in this building. I know you're here that you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is say, hey, have I died yet? And you start reading the obituaries just to see if your name's there. I know that to be true because I've heard you people tell me, some of you, that you go and look at all the obituaries and you say, I want to know who else has died. (laughs) Suppose one day you read your obituary in the paper. Someone else wrote it. Not your family member, someone who knew you. What would they say about you? In your obituary well it happened to a man in 1888 his name was Alfred Noble he invented dynamite awoke to read his own obituary the obituary was printed as a result of a simple journalistic error you see it was Alfred's brother that had died and the reporter carelessly reported the death of the wrong brother Any man would be disturbed under the circumstances, but Alfred was shocked, was overwhelming, because he saw himself as the world saw him. The dynamite king was the title of his obituary. The greatest industrious who had made an immense fortune from explosives. This as far as the general public was concerned, was the entire purpose of Alfred's life. None of his true intentions to break down the barriers that separated men and their ideas for peace were recognized or given any serious consideration. He was simply called the merchant of death. And for that alone, that moment changed Alfred's life. As he read his obituary with horror, he resolved to make clear to the world the true meaning and purpose of his life. This could be done only through dispersion of his wealth as he started to put it in new avenues to make a difference in others. His last will and testament would be the expression of his life's idea and ultimately would be why he would be remembered. The result was the most valuable of prizes given to those who had done the most for the cause of world peace. Today, it's known as the Nobel Peace Prize. People who have done something good to do something good. Many people have gotten the Nobel Peace Prize, but in my personal opinion, they haven't done much for peace. They just had more popularity than they did things for peace. Nevertheless, he got to read it, and when he read his own obituary, he did something different. So let me say, we talk about Saul and the bad choice. Let's go to David and the portion of Scripture that we read today in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 to 27. Because I want to bring now about David, how David responded to Saul's death. You see... I think we see a character trait here in David because the way he responds in sorrow, not in in vengeance. You know, I don't know, if you were David, how would you respond when Saul dies? If you went to see Sight and Sound, one of the scenes is where David died and all of a sudden all his men start celebrating. And, you know, they're just celebrating. But David doesn't. David all of a sudden breaks out in song because he remembers the good. Maybe that's why God saw the personal character trait of David. Why maybe he called him a man after his own heart. You see, David expressed great love and not the sword as he writes the song. He expresses love and not the sword. You know, most people, when they've been hurt by somebody, they're so quick to say all kind of things about him. But David doesn't do that. Listen to some of the things that are inside this portion of Scripture. David remembered the good that King Saul did. David wanted no one to rejoice over the death of the king. I, I don't know, but think about this for a second. This is probably one of the reasons in character... It shows the heart of the person, not the vengeful spirits. like, I'm glad they got theirs. Because someone, when someone hurts you sometimes, and then all of a sudden it's not happening, you rejoice, and that's a wrong thing to do. There's some people that I know that I feel sorry for them, even though their actions are so wrong. I feel so sorry for them. I feel for them and pray for them. He called everyone and everything and said, I want you to mourn. He taught his men and people the song so they would sing a a song of mourning and not rejoice. He even wanted the mountains and fields to be cursed and mourn, have no dew, have no rain, reap no grain. Think about the heart. Is your heart like that when someone hurts you, when someone offends you? I mean, this is the heart of God. When Jesus was on the cross, how did he respond? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And people always tell me, well, that's God. Think of one of the disciples, Stephen, deacon. And yet, what did he say? Father, hold not their sin against them, as they were throwing rocks at him. Let me tell you something. It's a choice. It's a choice to reflect the love of God. He praised Saul and Jonathan Not as terrible leaders, but as mighty leaders. He saw the good. He reflects and remembers his best friend, Jonathan, and the love that they shared. So many people in this world want to perverse this portion of scripture. Saying that this portion of scripture has everything to do that David and Jonathan had homosexuality. That is so wrong. We live in such a perverse world. There is nothing. There is true love that can take place between individuals, it's, but it's not sexual. Everything in this world has to be sexual. We want to take the word of God and turn it to something that we say is right. God made one man, one woman to come together, made marriage. That's what God did. There's no way that, world, that the people can reproduce, re-multiply. Re-pro- uh, uh, re- uh, it's the only way. God created it. But you can have such a love for a sister and a love for a brother. You don't see, a lot of people don't really understand, but David and, and, and Jonathan, they fought together. They had each other's back. And when you know someone has your back, boy, let me tell you something. Something happens when you know someone has your back. Jonathan went up to bat for David, knew David was called, went against his own father, tried to protect him. No, they had some history there. Thank God if God brings people into your life that lift you up when you're down. Praise God when you have people in your life that will listen to you when your heart's down and give you words, not that you like to hear, but that you need to hear and understand the difference. There are so many people who just tell you what you want to hear, but thank God for the people who tell it in love because they want to help you not hurt you. And if God brings those people into your life, you better shout with a loud praise and be like a lion with roar to give God praise for what God has done and how he's blessed your life. You see David's heart was not full of joy because Saul was dead, but he was full of sorrow. Once again, David did not carry his pain or afflictions that he suffered at Saul. And this is really important that I wanted to, to get point here. What a powerful testimony it was of David that he had a heart that was free from bitterness. Of all of the hurt. You know what? David was bothered and he released it. He didn't carry it. The problem with our lives sometimes is we carry all of the junk God does not want you to take the junk of yesterday and bring it into your today. When you take the junk of drama, the junk of pain, and you bring it into your day, you ruin your day. You fail to live to the to the level in which God wants you because you're not looking at the one in charge of your day. You're looking at others that are determining your day. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of times there's people out there, and they want to do this, and they're going to do that. And sometimes we give too much, too much ears to that, to the horizontal, and we allow them to determine the type of day you're going to have. But if you understand who is your ship, and who's in control of your ship, who's at the helm that's driving your ship, then you're going to know that it's not what they say, it's what God said. And when you understand that, God does a great work. Let me just share a couple things in closing here. Saul made choices, and choices today have results tomorrow. And we're looking at it from a tomorrow point of view and seeing he made bad choices. He messed up what God wanted to do in his life. And here you have a man who has suffered so much, gone through so many battles, so many people have paid a price. And yet he has not one bad word to say about Saul. Mm, Let's just meditate on that for a second. I don't know about you, but I want to be that man. To carry things light. Not to carry the pain, but to cast the pain. Because we can learn a lot from David's example. If we take 1 Corinthians 13.5, look what it says. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It does not easily... Angered. Watch this. It keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, I don't know about you, but it just seems like David's not keeping any records of wrong. I don't see none of the crimes in this song that he he experienced. But what about you? When someone hurts you, what, what do you do? The problem is, the problem is, if a person doesn't understand the love of God, you cannot give love if you don't know love. Say that again. You cannot give love if you don't know love. If you haven't experienced the love of God, how are you going to demonstrate the love of God to others? It's knowing the God of love is what changes our hearts. When you understand what God has done for us, Love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Why does it keep no records of wrong? Because we have one that has forgiven us, therefore, therefore, we must, we must forgive others. If we do not forgive others, God says in his word, he shall not will forgive you. And when we stand before God Almighty, one day when that happens, we should have a light load to know that we are not carrying the pain of the past into the moment of the present because as David did so must we do is not carry any bitterness in heart people may hurt you God will never do so people may hurt you but God will never do so Let's learn another lesson from David that he did. First, Peter 4.8 reminds us, because here we have Peter giving us these words. I-, I want you to understand, David was demonstrating this. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. You remember the time Jesus was with, with the disciples, and, and Peter says, God, how many times did I, I should forgive my brother? Seven times? He went beyond the law, and then the Lord says, no, I want you to forgive him 70 times seven. I want you to forgive him this astronomical number so you don't keep track. Love covers a multitude of sins, and I don't know about you, but you And I need to recognize something that's important. Let me ask you a couple questions before we close. How do you handle hurt and harm that's done to you? How do you handle it? How do you carry it? Do you you still carry things that people hurt you, said to you? Are they still living in you? Are they still living in your heart? Are they still living in your mind? Are you feeding into these thoughts of what people have done or people have said? How how do you forgive others who have brought offense to you? What's your process of forgiving someone who has really hurt you? How do you, what do you do? Because see, David was majorly hurt over the seven years of running and so many things. And yet, and yet, as he writes a song he doesn't bring anything up because it's all, there's no emotion there, but grief and sorrow. Why is that? Well, David learned how to forgive. David learned how to give it to God, trust God, trust God, depend on God. It's a process. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it possible? Absolutely. With God, all things are possible. Some say amen. Amen. Yeah, we can't do it on ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. Do you forgive and live or do you hold up and blow up? You know, do you just take all these things in and hold it, you know, and then finally you just blow up and you give someone a piece of your mind and you feel great because you just let them have it. Double barreled. But what does it do? There's nothing wrong. There's a right way of going to conflict. The Bible talks about how to handle conflict in the right manner. But to go off as a loose cannon and to say whatever you like just because you think you have the privilege to or you think you can, that's where the damage takes place in relationships. That's when our lips truly do sink ships. There is a right way and a wrong way And the scripture teaches a lot of us. But we need to learn the lesson. Look how David responded, even to Saul in the journey. Could have killed him a couple times. Other people wanted to kill him. But he always had the value of the king's life. He was the anointed of the Lord. God chose him. He respected that. He honored that. And because of that, God elevated him to a level that was very high with a great responsibility life is a gift to share with others and to make a difference in others so here's my question for you today those watching online this is my question for you today where are you making the difference where are you making the difference every day you and i have is to make a difference somewhere it doesn't have to be huge Sometimes we think we're looking at, no, it could just, how are you making someone else's day a little bit better? What smile has you brought to their face? What hand of help have you done? What have you done for others? So many times people always say to me, you know, what about me? I get to hear that so much. What about me? Why aren't you, how come me, me, me? And I want to say, what about you? What have you done for others? And then we'll talk about you. Who are you making a difference in? And if so, why are you choosing to make a difference? You see, David is about to be king very shortly, but he had to go through a long journey, hard journey, difficult journey. But in that journey, he learned so many lessons that makes him, and the greater the lessons we learn, the greater that God can really use us because we learn the lessons. How the mighty have fallen. One day, one day, we too will give up our breath. We have a small window to make a difference in people's lives. Not just to make a life for you, God wants that for you too. But we really start to ask ourselves a question. What are we making a difference in? Who are we making a difference in? And are we choosing to make a difference over there? And why are we choosing to make a difference over there? What's the need? What need can you fulfill? What, what, how can you show something, show someone the love of God, even though they have offended you, even though they hurt you? How can you show them Jesus? Jesus. I don't know about you online. But before I want you to answer those questions, the first question is, do, do you know Jesus? If you're here today, before you answer that question, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Is he your Lord? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you asked him to come into your heart and life? Have you dedicated and yielded your heart to God and said, God, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart life. I now choose you. I put my hands on the plow, and God, I am not going to turn back. I'm going to follow. I'm going to swallow and follow, God. I want to serve you. I want to know you more. How many of you here just say, I want to know God more? Just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those online, you want to know God more? It takes a choice to know God more. The question now is, what are you going to do? Let me just pray. Father, I just ask right now, that we would understand that our days are numbered. But in that number, God, it's not the length of days. It's really what we do in the days that we live. So, Lord, will you, by your Holy Spirit, will you speak to us and help us to learn the lessons of those who have already gone before us? We can learn lessons from those who have done right, and we can learn lessons from those that have done wrong. And maybe you and I need to learn lessons today so we can become everything God wants us to be. So, Father, I pray right now, will you just help us, show us, Lord, the areas of our life that we need to yield to you. Lord, the things that we're holding in our hearts, Lord, right now, will you show, will you help Those who have things in their heart that they have not let go. They're carrying the weight. They're carrying the weight. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, they would give you that weight, surrender their heart to you, and ask you to take full control. Cast all their cares on you, for you care for them. Father, I pray as they cast their cares, Lord, I ask that you would meet with them, help them, and that they would get back in your word and get into a good Bible-believing church and serve you with all heart, mind, and soul. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said,
0: amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.